I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Hello, hello. It is the 30th of June, 2022. This is the COB, the stuff you need to know about the day in business, finance, and startups. I'm Nadine Blaney. I'm Kyle Rodder. Kyle Rodder, it is the final day of the financial year. Yes. E-O-F-Y. And some might say goodbye. Good riddance. riddance. Maybe something a little bit more colourful terms if you wanted to as well. Who knows? But yeah, it's always um, a disappointment. Yeah, we're we're sounding chipper. Um, I don't know why because, well, times a good life goes on, but clearly it wasn't a a great time for equities. FY twenty one, twenty two. No, and today down two percent. I mean, it wasn't that bad when we started out, but by the end we had the banks a huge weight. We had the materials a big weight as well. Look, CSL, you know, the the heavyweight in the healthcare space wasn't enough to spoil the party completely there, but like really negative, even in the energy space, consumer staples, in the REIT space, I could go on. Yeah, and I'll give you a little bit of a rundown as to where we are from this time last year, because I know that's what everyone's want, everyone is going to want to know. Flicking on the ASX website here, down 10.2% from this time last year, from six months ago, 12.6%. One month ago, down 9% for the month, so there's a lot of it there. Um, and then oh, just for fun, for the week, we're up by 0.6%. So isn't that nice? But yeah, clearly um, not a great year for Aussie equities. I suppose if the uh, one silver line you could perhaps find is that uh, it was worse elsewhere or has been worse elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but clearly, yeah, not uh, not one for, for investors to really enjoy as we come to the end of the, uh, end of the financial year. Yeah, that's a misery loves company kind of scenario that you're painting there. <laughs> Kyle, uh, look, definitive um, data. So this is before today's close. But if you just take a look at uh, some of the, the sector damage that's been done, mining sector ends in negative territory for the second half of the year, down more than 2%. Pretty mm. incredible when you think about how buoyant uh, the commodity space was to start 2022. Yeah. Gold was a significant weight on the sub-index as well. That included lithium miners. You know, you take... IGO and Liontown Resources down between 10 and 33%. Tech saw its worst half-yearly performance in 20 years, having fallen 36%. But the energy sector in the second half was up over 30%. Of course, today probably did a bit of damage, but its best performance since June of 2005. Woodside was up about 50%. In the second half. There you go. Yeah, and I was just looking at the, the one-year sectoral map as well. Utilities and energy, the only to finish higher for the for the 12 months. Utilities slightly higher than energy, but as you said before, a lot of those gains for energy were in the second half of the year where everyone realised that, hey, this stuff's dirty, but we still need it. Yeah. So, there you go. Had a couple of um, conversations about energy today. Well, also the whole ESG thing, but mm. uh, Kyle McIntyre from Firetrail, he called energy right so long ago and his investment thesis in his view is still good and that's even despite you know 
conversations about EV and the EU voting to have all new cars EV by 2035. He says, just look at Norway. Don't go so fast. The majority, and I think it's the vast majority. Don't quote me, but I think it's 90% of their cars are EV. And their um, demand for energy, for oil and gas, is still steady. Yeah. So he's just saying that that you know that still holds. He's looking at the refiners. Actually, I don't want to give um, it all away, but uh, that interview is available via the show notes. Like Kyle McIntyre from Firetrail Investments is incredible. You throw anything at him, and he can back it up. And so Return we also serve. talk about healthcare in there as well. Yeah, brilliant. No, it is an interesting thing, the energy space. So you wouldn't want to go too deeply into it, but it is one that we're talking about with a lot of guests. And just, I think it was um, Daniel Hines a few weeks ago, um, just the the complexity in that space and the the difficulty in balancing the needs of reliability and uh, eco-friendliness versus just making sure people's um, uh, energy requirements are filled. So really interesting, really complex. It's sort of a bigger conundrum for the entire ESG thematic Mm. and the decarbonization thematic. I had a chat with Angela Ashton from Evergreen Consultants to end the day, and she was talking about nickel. So nickel, which is needed in batteries. If you invest in a company that goes for dirty nickel, I mean, what are you doing? Um, Dirty nickel. Well, there's two ways you can process the nickel. There's um, huge problems with tailings. Uh, there's also the land that needs to be cleared to get some. There's all of these sort of other factors. So how clean is green? Um, look, it's one that we're going to continue to grapple with. All we can hope for really is technological improvements and breakthroughs. Yeah, it reminds me of um, university, that old Malthusian trap that eventually will kind of eat ourselves and consume ourselves and use resources um, to, to sort of wipe us out of existence. And, and the only thing that saves us every time is just a technical tech technological advancement uh so i guess that's what we're all just hoping yeah, for well aren't we just another another um <laughs> revolution in technology you know, to, to change the way that we do things i hate to digress but to all you scientists out there to all you engineers i was um looking at a line of satellites being launched across the sydney sky last week and i was thinking well thank god there's people out there <laughs> know how to do that because yeah. oh yeah. my god if it was left to most of us the vast vast majority of us there'd be no hope no not really i did see spacex once up in the sky in the morning on, on the way to a flight and I, I wanted to turn around and go back home because i thought it was the aliens invasion <laughs> but you know clearly <laughs> with that advance i would wouldn't <laughs> i i would <laughs> um tyro payments was the worst uh, performer today look at ceo robbie cook left yesterday it's price target cut today downgraded to neutral from outperform from macquarie you know that he's going over to star entertainment group but boy that that is such a steep fall for Tyro payments, I really feel for all investors in there, and m- many of whom, you know, have have really had big hopes for that as being one of the reopening stories. You know, we'd go out, we'd spend, we'd click, we'd pay, and that is happening to a large degree. But for some reason, doesn't seem to be benefiting Tyro to any great degree. Also, getting caught up clearly in the negativity toward tech. Yeah, I actually had a, a good point there too. It's on a different podcast. I won't name what it was though. But um, Jim Chanos, uh, famed short seller, said if those companies that were good during the pandemic weren't profitable then, when we're all stuck p- at home and they've got basically a captive audience. What chance do they have to be profitable in the future when uh, the demand is just not going to be there? So you sort of wonder if Tyro is maybe caught up in that well, post-pandemic. Like we were all staying home, it should have been doing well as we got out of this, um, mm. you know, the the lockdowns and stuff. Anyways, let's not go too far into Tyro. There's plenty of no. broker nights that you can read on that one. And of course, losing a CEO is never uh, necessarily a sign of um, well, investors hate uncertainty, as we've said yeah. at nauseum for many many years. <laughs> um, Elsewhere, in terms of equities today, look, there wasn't a lot of headline-grabbing news. I've got to be honest. We had CSR with an AGM. 
But, um, you know, I noticed just as we were coming on here, it happened, I believe, after the market closed, as we often hear from Brambles post 4 p.m. It says that it will not invest in the plastic pallet pool for customers who supply U.S. big box retailer Costco wholesale. So uh, Brambles has long been trying to transition to these plastic pallets. There was a lot of, I thought, investment or a red investment into the push to get these Costco plastic pellet pool, you know, to, to gain a foothold in there. So I'm I'll, I'm interested to read the detail on that. Otherwise, we had uh, Brookfield creeping up AGL's register. Um, but uh, yeah, not a not a huge amount of news today. No. Can I do the macro news though? Yes, yes. Okay, cool. Job vacancies. Surging. Big. Huge. And if there's not a time in this country that uh, tight labor market is going to lead to uh, wage rises then it'll never happen. It was extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary data. Speaks to the huge demand for, for labour, um, the, the number of jobs being created and the absolute challenge that businesses are finding uh, to attract them. Um, and I think it was Michael McCarthy today, you know, sort of swinging the, the current circumstance that we have in New South Wales or in Sydney at the moment with all these strikes. If that's not a tight labour market where workers have bargaining power to try and drive wage, wage increases, again, um, it's just sort of indicative of that environment where, you know, the power does rest with uh, with the workers there. Um, but huge, huge, huge numbers there out Up of job vacancies. Up 13.8% in May. Yeah, absolutely wild. So Really uh, supporting that move for further tightening from the RBA. Yeah, and I was 50 talking... 50 basis points, I would think, sorry. 50 basis points, and I was talking to Phil O'Donoghue today, wasn't exactly on, uh, from Deutsche Bank, not exactly on the matter of wage growth, but he was saying that based on his numbers and modelling that he's doing at the moment, They'll probably move 50 basis points next week. That's kind of consensus. That's priced into the market. But what he's looking for in his modelling at the moment is inflation on an annualised basis when it comes out at the end of July. July 27th. 27th. We're all counting down. At around 8%. The next meeting's in August, obviously, and he thinks that'll be enough to justify a 75-point move from the RBA. So that'll be 125 basis points in two months. Again, that's not even discounting the fact that we haven't got official wage price um, uh, index data out for another couple of months, too. So no. it's... But we do have that minimum wage rising to 5.2%. 24% of workers. To mo- tomorrow. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so keep that in mind. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot going on there. Also, credit rose by pretty solid zero business credit, I should yeah. say, by 0.8% in May. So that's a strong lift as well. Mm. So we've got companies apparently still spending yep. in the economy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it's cooling hot, hot, hot. when you put retail sales yesterday on top. Nope, nope, not at all. So um, we wait with bated breath to choose uh, Tuesday afternoon at two thirty, which of course we'll have a special coverage of that uh, of that event. I always look forward to Tuesday, oh, first Tuesday of the month. Me too. Bit nerdy, but that's okay. Yeah. That's what we live and breathe. And so there's the wrap up of the um, yeah the big economic data that we had out here today. Now, we do have a bit of data coming out uh, tonight. We will get a GDP final figures in the UK. And, of course, there's a lot of evidence that we're seeing slowing in the UK economy. I do think that, in fact, might have come out already, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, yeah, Possibly, I might have missed that. Um, just over Twitter. I think I saw it and it was around 0.8%. But the other big thing, too, of course, was the uh, PCE index data at the United the States. One. So there's your inflation story there again. Yeah. Okay, so PCE, that will be... Well, I think it will be market moving in this day and age. And uh, we've got a bit of unemployment data, I think, coming out in Europe. We had some China data today. Did, actually. And that was pretty positive. And, yeah. you know, Chinese markets had a good day overall. So factory and services sectors 
Looking like they're shaking off a little bit of this lockdown pain. Yeah, non-manufacturing PMI was much better than expected. So, you know, as a kind of lay person, you run your eyes over that and you suggest that maybe the consumers uh, consumers are starting to enjoy the slightly greater freedoms than they had in the past. Obviously, it's coming off a very low base. Um, but, you know, we, we keep talking about it with guests, right? Just when do you know when the Chinese story is turned around? Um, people say that while they put that dynamic zero policy, you really can't have any degree of confidence. But actually, Chinese equities haven't performed too badly over the last few months. Not Not you know, um, shooting yeah. the lights out, but but not too badly. So mm. we'll see. Lots of people, you know, that we speak with, should say plenty of people to yeah. be proper, um, have said that, you know, there are opportunities in China. It's not looking too poor. And uh, yeah, just had a conversation with Michael Jenicky. He is the head of Aussie mm. Equities at Credit Suisse today. And they are very constructive on what they see happening in China once the lockdowns in a more significant way improve. They do see demand coming through. They do see demand for Aussie commodities. That's actually one of the favored sectors mm. uh, at Credit Suisse also. Uh, Michael drops, and, and in this interview that you can access via the show notes again, he drops a couple of names in the energy space that they have been buying, and then he tells us where he would be avoiding in this market. So again, mm. you can access that via the show notes. I really enjoy uh, speaking with, with Michael, and I'm, I always feel quite pleased when he comes in. Uh, don't want to wrap it too early because we had a bit of an end of financial year cleaning out the portfolio, buys and sells happening on the call. Andrew spoke with um, Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities and David Lane from Ord Minette. Let's listen. So you have a sell on Flight Center. Um, Flight Center currently trading at uh, 17.49. We've got a a target price of 14.28 on that and think that, uh, yeah, it's a sell. But in the same sector, we actually like Webjet and think that Webjet is a, a superior business. The fact that it is predominantly online. Uh, it's actually bought some businesses around the world and think that, that Webjet certainly has a, a much better outlook. I think BHP is one that's, that, that is worth uh, trading over the next 12 months. In terms of a sell, um, we've got Zip. I know that for some people that seems strange because it's fallen so far. I mean, how much lower can it go? But people have been saying that since it was you know, several dollars, let alone yeah. $2, $1, now it's about 50 cents. So it's basically a business that's losing money. The situation is getting worse in terms of bad debts. If we head into recession, that'll be even worse for the business. And so there is your end of financial. Couple of buys, couple of sells. Don't say we don't do anything for you. <laughs> so Kyle, yeah, PCE tonight, right? Yeah. PCE tonight, um, we had last night some pretty dour language from um, Fed Chair Jay, mm. uh, Jay Powell uh, at that panel discussion in Portugal. Lagarde was there, uh, Bailey was there. It cast a really, really kind of hawkish tone, but an aggressive tone. And again, something somewhat dour about the ability of the uh, um, the Fed to bring inflation down from these levels without really crushing demand and doing, doing a number on the economy. So, you know, we're going to get a bit of a gauge as to where the Fed's chosen, um, na- uh, chosen inflation indicator sits currently. Um, for what it's worth, markets are pricing in 75 basis points in July, a um, couple of 50s after that. But that's moderated because of mm. these growth fears. So it's a real balancing out between inflation and growth. Yeah, yeah, one more shameless promo. But we did speak with Michael McCarthy from yeah. Tiger Brokers about that. I, I enjoyed that. I, well, He's I have a soft fun. spot for Michael, but Everyone really does. good information. And if you're looking for it online, it's called The Biggest Mistake. 
know, the most expensive mistake traders make. So if you want to check that out, do so. Look, we've got great guests lined up for you again tomorrow. It's Friday. Chris Conway for Markets Today. Carl Kapalinga, Think Markets, Macro Micro Crypto. Looking forward to that. Uh, Dan Gerard from State Street is joining mm -hmm. us. Uh, and uh, we've also got Brad King from Armitage Private. So he's got some... Uh, yeah, I won't give it all away, but but you'll want to listen in if you like um, getting clear-cut stock picks and calls. And it's the last call tomorrow, Kyle. It's a Friday. It is a Friday. TJF and, I don't know, it's well, New Year, so we'll celebrate that <laughs> for some <laughs> we'll reason as well. Celebrate somehow. <laughs> we'll, we'll find a way. <laughs> yeah, um, look, I hope you all have a great celebration, whatever that may be like in your household tonight. And Doing uh, your tax returns or something, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, you can tell me tomorrow what you do tonight, Carl. Um, <laughs> have a good alone. one. <laughs> you too. <laughs> <laughs>